Copy the way. Dream daughter guardies. Clean granddaughter show. Our podcast about learning languages and reaching your potential. Hello, hello, my name is Kirsten Cable and here on The Fluent Show we talk about languages, communication, curiosity and enriching our lives through the challenge of learning something new. And we're going into something I have never ever done before on the show. This is my first ever one where you will hear me, Sharon Kamraig, speaking Welsh. Wow! Now, <laughs> before I introduce the guest for this week's episode, just a quick shout out to our wonderful sponsor, Close Master. Close Master is a language learning app based on the close exercise where you fill the gap in a sentence, lots and lots of fun example sentences, and there are fluency tracks and lots of really cool different ways of practicing your language. So if you've been learning a language and you want the opportunity to practice it in a simple, straightforward and really cool retro looking way, then Closemaster is for you. They've got over 80 languages available. So this isn't just Spanish, French and German or whatever, but even if you are learning a language that is a little bit more rare, what I really love about Closemaster is that they've made the effort to create that database, to work with that database and offer this to its users. Closemaster is free to try out, but I know that a lot of you may want to just get a quick overview of how it all works. So I've made you a video, which I would love to invite you to, well, which I am inviting you to, and you can get the video and then get a special offer as well for Fluent Show listeners and show them that you as a listener are curious about who's sponsoring our show. If you go to closemaster.com slash Fluent Show, that is C-L-O- Z-E-M-A-S-T-E-R dot com slash Fluent Show. And for my US listeners, hey Australians, what do you say? Z-O-Z. Hey, for my US listeners, it's C-L-O-Z-E-M-A-S-T-E-R dot com slash Fluent Show. That one never gets old. Thank you so much to Closemaster for supporting the Fluent Show. Thank you so much for you, to you listener, for supporting Closemaster's support of the Fluent Show. <laughs> That is that. Now, I already teased you that you're going to hear me speaking Welsh this week. And this is our first bilingual episode in this season. And as you know, in a bilingual episode, I have happened to have a guest where the guest is bilingual in English and another language. And it so happens that it's another language that I can handle a conversation in, <laughs> more or less. So I switch with the guest into the other language every now and then we sort of go back and forth and if you as a listener worry right now and you think oh god welsh i don't know i don't understand that language don't worry because in at after every switch i will summarize what we said and i will always always take it with the words of the late great ron gullickson who was such a lovely voice in the language learning space and who in an interview with with me told me he likes to get uncomfortable as early as possible and that's so, so true in any language, right? There is always a discomfort in language learning. We, there's always a bit where we don't understand. Uh, you might even hear me not understanding, la, la, la. 
<laughs> but it's it's about muddling through that and staying positive and working with the attitude. And that is what I want to demonstrate to you, hence bilingual episodes. My guest is somebody I have known for a few years, hung out with a few times, and who has been my own Welsh tutor for a few years as well now. His name is David Morse, lives in Cardiff, and he's here to tell us not just his story of learning languages himself and, and giving some great tips and insights about what it takes to learn a language and what it takes to learn Welsh, but also to just talk about the enthusiasm and positivity he brings to his own learning adventures and there are many 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 so I'm really looking forward to presenting you with Davith. Now I've got one more quick housekeeping announcement and that is that currently doors are open to my brand new group coaching program. It's called the Fluent Language Mastermind and I would love for you to check it out so I'm going to pop that in the show notes as well. I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a future episode, but if you're interested and you want to apply and just get get involved, then head to fluentlanguage.co.uk slash mastermind to find out more about what this program is about. It's going to be combining coaching calls with Q&A and a really wonderful supported small group of motivated language learners that really work together very well. And I've got a core curriculum in there as well to keep you learning and progressing and growing so that you can really reach that potential that we so often talk about. <laughs> That's it. So close master, fluent mastermind. And now let's go straight to my interview with David. Hello. Shumai. Boreda. Shumai. Shumai Kirsten. Hi. <laughs> so. Placer Bordma. Oh, well. I've, oh, I've got to, I've got to announce you first. Yeah, go for it. I'm here. I'm here. Good afternoon, I'm here with my Welsh tutor, uh, David from Cardiff, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, well, being Welsh, but also this incredible thirst for learning that David has, and also being a teacher. So, hello, hello, shumai, David. Shumai Kirsten, it is wonderful to be here and I love chatting to you. Oh, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I'm going to go straight into this interview. So I've, I've already mentioned that you're my Welsh tutor and you are obviously Welsh. Where do you live now? So currently I live in Cardiff mm -hmm. and I live here with my wife and my two daughters. And life is good in Cardiff. It's raining at the moment. But, you know, most of the time it's sunny. Awesome. Now, for listeners who aren't so familiar with the UK, can you talk a little bit about what Cardiff is like, what it's, what it represents? Yes. Yeah, so Cardiff is the capital city of a country called Wales. Now, your listeners will probably be well familiar with the country of Wales because you, uh, you mentioned the fact that you're learning Welsh quite often. And uh, I love that because it's bringing some uh, notoriety to Wales and it's bringing some Welsh learners into the space as well. So uh, I love what you're doing for Wales. But yeah, it's a capital city of Wales and it is, yeah, a great place to live if you're Welsh. Uh, there's lots of people that have moved to Cardiff more recently. So I moved here in 2010 and I was really struck by the lack of Welsh uh, compared to my hometown of Carmarthen. So I grew up in Carmarthen, uh, where there was a lot of Welsh uh, around the place. I went to a Welsh school, so my entire life was basically in Welsh. I had a Welsh church. My dad spoke Welsh to me. 
So I grew up in I grew up in a bilingual home uh, where my mum didn't speak any Welsh and my dad only spoke Welsh to me and my brother. And by the time we were teenagers, my mum was just fed up of the fact that she couldn't understand what was going on between the three of us. So she decided, uh, I don't know, aged 40 odd, that she was going to learn Welsh. And so that was it. She decided she was going to learn Welsh. And so she learned Welsh so that she could at least uh, join in with the uh, chats and know that we're not saying too much uh, negative stuff about her. So I was pretty impressed with that. So I am in a similar situation with my family, although my wife is taking the uh, taking the choice to learn Welsh much earlier on. She wants to be involved in their kids' schooling. So my daughters are six and one, and uh, the six-year-old goes to a Welsh-speaking school. And so my wife is quite keen on learning Welsh so that she can kind of help out with uh, the kids and their homework and that kind of stuff. Oh, that is really, really lovely. And we have to, at this point, also give a shout-out to your daughter for doing the intro for this episode. So shout-out to Poppy. Diolch and Valch, Poppy. thanks, Poppy. <laughs> okay, so, Dav, um, you've already mentioned that you, you grew up well, you, you said fully in Welsh, but I would I would guess that it was it was more of a um Bowit Dwyethog, right? A bilingual life, is that right? Yeah, Bowit Dwyethog, yes. Yeah. So my education was entirely in Welsh. So I went to a Welsh speaking school and uh, apart from that, like I said, at home it was bilingual, so my dad spoke exclusively Welsh and my mum spoke exclusively English. So I grew up with two languages, almost you know the same level of um, skill, but like any language that English is trying to compete with, English kind of takes over with regards to media. So I used to watch telly in English mm. and listen to music in English and read books in English. I didn't really watch a lot of Welsh telly, didn't really listen to a lot of Welsh music, and I didn't really like Welsh books <laughs> until I went to university. And then when I went to university, I kind of realised that, gosh, this is actually not just the norm. Because I'd grown up with uh, Welsh in the shops around um, Welsh, you know, I was aware that not everybody spoke Welsh, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, Carmarthen has got one of the biggest populations of Welsh speakers. So you'd always hear it round and about. And it was almost like a normal thing to me that being bilingual was perfectly natural. And then when I went to university in Canterbury, shout out to Canterbury, I, <laughs> I realised that, yeah, this is, this is quite something that's not... Uh, not common uh, in the UK particularly and I it really drove home a like a, a love for the language that made it even deeper so it was kind of part of me growing up but it wasn't really until I realized that this is something special that I started to really own that and mm -hmm. make it something that I was proud of and something that I was glad to do so actually, when I went to university, I, like I said, my mum spoke English to me when I was growing up. And even though she learnt Welsh, I did find it difficult to change languages that I would speak to her in. So I, I know that a lot of uh, people find that if you meet someone and you initially speak one language, then it can be quite hard to change to being natural in the other language with that person. Mm -hmm. But... For my mum, when I went to university, because she'd phone me every week to see how I was doing, 
that was the only opportunity that I had to speak Welsh. So that was what kind of changed things for me speaking Welsh to my mum. So I do, I do now still mostly speak Welsh to my mum, although it, you know, sometimes do slip back into English. I love that. So in you, you and your mum kind of became each other's Welsh like support group while you were away. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested in this. Um, I'm interested in this development. So you you came to Canterbury, which you know, it happens to be where I live, and I could tell you nobody speaks Welsh in the street here. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it's the east of England. So if you don't, if you're not familiar with the UK, Wales is um, west of England, and um, I'm Canterbury is in a very far east of England. So David you know, wasn't to expect any Welsh being spoken around here, really. And my mum said that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far my son has left me. Oh, such a mum <laughs> thing to say. Such a mum thing to say. Wonderful. Oh, uh, shout out to Mama, Mama Morse. OK, a question there. You said you it, it gave you this sort of it actually instilled your sense of pride and confidence as a Welsh speaker and as a Welsh person coming out off Wales. Do you think that's that's common? Because I know the history of Welsh. There, there used to be a big sense of shame and that it was much more problematic to be, you know, a Welsh speaker. You might have, you know, other people might think I'm a country yokel or something. Yeah, th certainly things have changed um, since the days where it was... I mean, well, I suppose it's even not going back that far. So my dad was born in the 50s mm -hmm. and he went to school and he would he his education was in Welsh. So his home life was entirely in Welsh. His parents both spoke Welsh. His brothers and his sister all spoke Welsh, but they went to school and the school was in English. And I think that was a hangover from the days of the Welsh not and you must only have education in English and it's only in the last maybe 20 to 30 years that Welsh education has really kind of taken off and now I think there's a lot more kind of pride about being able to speak Welsh mm. it's it's moved away from being just a local thing for local communities to being something which kind of connects you um, in, a, in a bigger scale, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a sense of national identity that's, that's I, I sense when, when I think of Wales and I, you know, speak Welsh and think of the Welsh language, that it sort of belongs not to a, a village, but the Welsh people. Yeah, absolutely. And when I was in Canterbury, I had a sense of hiraith. Hiraith is a Welsh word which has not really an English equivalent. I believe it possibly has a German equivalent of a longing for the homeland, a sense of being called back to your motherland, I guess. And so I had that the entire time that I was in Canterbury. I never felt like Canterbury was really home. I loved living in Canterbury. I loved going to university. I loved my life there, my friends, my church there. But it was never it was never home because it wasn't Wales. And I think a lot of Welsh people have this connection, this call to Wales, which is not really explicable in a in an English speaking well mm, that's maybe not quite right. It, it's 
it's not really explicable in any other places that I've come across it. Mm. So people, I mean, I guess maybe the closest that I've come across is in Luxembourg, where people are proud to be Luxembourgish, or the Basque region, where people are proud to be Basque and they don't want to be known as um, Spanish or they don't want to be known as French or German, and the Welsh don't want to be known as English. And, yeah, it's a kind of, it's a real real sense of pride and I think the language particularly is something that a lot of people are really quite protective of and really quite proud of and um, I'm I'm keen to to share that language with uh, as many people as want to learn really. Mm-hmm. Ah that's a, an excellent bridge Diochenbauer. Well Nesti Ambarod Anateb the question and question Kuntav, Dwidi Paratoy and a Gumraig. So Dav just answered essentially the first question I prepared in Welsh, but I would like to, you know, uh, go a little bit bilingual. Um, as listeners know, maybe I'm a I'm a Welsh learner, so we'll give this a go. Vechli, when question, variety question. Magirati plant dehina or. So you, you've got your own children now. Within Sharad Kamraig Gdanu Heved, you're also speaking Welsh to them. Pam Ewe and Boisik iti Velhriand is Sharad Kamraig Gda Gda the plant. Tun Gwaldan Boisik iti Sharad Kamraig Gda plant achas os dwiem aned poividan aned dwiem timlovaden kasalti ni gdaar dwiliant ma gamint bobol an. Bexanthwaid are do hun them and definiavi, do hun them and definiavi, and dwin mui dwin mui tiadlgwaid dama besid unven definiavi, ama borden sharadur kamrag and ran or boya dwi vel person, mine ran over hinanyaithi, a dwi am huna ivodarin peth, argaver vem hunt. So dwi wedi gweld. Teilioedd yn colli'r Gymraeg achos bod nhw ddim yn pasio fy mlaen i'w plant. Weithiau achos maen nhw'n becso am partner sydd gyda nhw, so os mae'r graig neu'r gŵr ddim yn siarad Cymraeg, maen nhw'n teimlo'n eiog falle um, neu ddim eisiau siarad Cymraeg gyda'r plant achos fydd y gŵr neu'r graig ddim yn deall. Mm-hmm. Ond dwi'n, dwi'n meddwl mae'n bwysig gwneud gymaint a chi'n gallu er mwyn helpu'r plentyn um, i ddod, well, i ddod yn ddwyaethog neu taireithog neu pederiaethog. <laughs> uh, ok, um, dim, dim, ond y question, dim ond y question am y Gymraeg um, e hunan yw e, wedi'n hefyd meddwl am... Um, Tyfu plant um, sin, sin plant or bead? Like world's children? Citizens of the world? Yeah, plant or bead. Plant or bead, pobl or bead. Dyn ysyddion o bead. Yeah, mm. mae siarad Cymraeg yn amlwg yn eich cysylltu chi gyda Cymru. Mm-hmm. A dwi'n, dwi'n pryderu un o'r broblemau sydd gan Gymru 
yw mae pobl yn aros yng Nghymru a ddim yn gweld mannau arall o'r byd. So, dwi'n awyddus i fagu plant taeriaethog neu pederiaethog fel bod nhw'n gallu gweld y byd. A dod a beth maen nhw'n gweld yn rhannau arall o'r byd, nôl i Gymru, pan mae'r hiraeth yn cico mewn, mm-hmm. um, er mwyn wneud Cymru yn, yn wlad falle llai mewn weledol. Mae hwnnw'n hyfryd. Oh, dwi'n hoffi hwn. Um, felly hefyd ti'n teimlo um, yn dy hunan uh, tipyn bach o sensor stewardship am, am y, y hunaniaeth Cymraeg. Ydw, yn bendant. Mm. Mae fe'n rhywbeth sydd wedi cael ei rhoi yno fi a mae yn rhywbeth mae gen i gyfrifoldeb i rannu gyda'r fymhlant a rannu gyda'r byd hefyd, achos os dwi ddim yn gwneud, pwy fydd yn gwneud. Mm. So, just to quickly summarise in English for concentrating on, on understanding and speaking the Welsh, um, but we, we, we spoke about um, parenting and the sense of Welsh identity and Davis' sense of, you know, he's, he's bringing up his children and it's important to him to speak Welsh to his children. Um, in order to, I seem to be interpreting for you now, <laughs> um, in order to share also um, the Welsh identity and instill the Welsh identity in them, but to go even further than that and make make sure that the Welsh identity isn't just introspective by perhaps teaching them more languages so that they can become citizens of the world or children of, of the world, really. Great summary. Oh, Introspective, great word. Yeah. What is Good it? Knowledge. Mewn. Mewn Willedog. Mewn Willedog. Okay, welcome to my Welsh class. Mewn Willedog. Okay, so Dav, the, something that I really loved there is what you said, if I'm not going to do it, who's going to do it? And with you, like we've been, we've been friends for a while and something I really appreciate and admire about how you approach life in general that I really enjoy is this sense that it's not bravery but you have a real sense of enthusiasm for throwing yourself into learning projects and you know things that other people might not pick up and things that might be hard you know you you just seem to have a fairly fearless approach to throwing yourself into these kind of things and the same with bilingual parenting you're like well who else is going to do it i'm just going to do it what are the kind of things that you've tried learning and practicing in your life that you can tell us about. So yeah, I I I love learning and I spent a lot of time uh, in my life learning various languages. So I've spent time learning French. I studied French at school and when I left, when I did A levels and I went to university, I found that there was more French speakers in Canterbury than Welsh speakers. So I would take as much opportunity as I could to speak French to people and, yeah, just, you know, chat to people in French. And uh, there was a girl that came to church with us who was a French person. And so we used to chat in French as much as I could and just kept it going. And I've learnt um, Spanish and some Italian 
Uh, you've got some. You've got a question for me maybe later about failures. I'm going to talk about uh, learning Portuguese as a failure later on, but um, <laughs> we'll get there maybe. So yeah, I I love learning languages, and I love cooking. I've learned to cook. I've learned bread baking. I now teach bread baking as well. I love foraging. I love investing. I love chess. So that's my my uh, current thing that I'm kind of learning is chess. And I'm also currently doing a bit of a deep dive into learning about cryptocurrency and how that's going to change the world and uh, what I can do about that as well. So that's a little little snapshot of all the things I've I've kind of learned or yeah. not all the things I've learned, some of them. And physical challenges too. Physical challenges, yeah. Um, I I don't know about learning. I guess I've all I not always. I I at one point learned to swim, but yeah, I've um, done some physical challenges, triathlons, marathons, that kind of thing. Mm. See, I was I was definitely thinking about those because I'm forever. Um, and I, Lindsay and I, if you hear us talking, we draw the line a lot or link a lot between. Um, learning something with our minds, which we think not of as a physical activity, and then um, playing any kind of sport or getting better at any kind of sport. I think there's the same persistence that is required there and the same, again, not necessarily a sense of fearlessness, but resilience and grit that it takes to really get anywhere for those kind of things. So I'm forever in awe of, of any you know triathlete who bothers with all that um and so successfully uh, for you obviously i mean you you might be renaissance man i'm talking to here who is uh, a genius at chess cryptocurrency uh does a triathlon um hops into five languages and then while while whipping up a six course meal might not be quite <laughs> true might be though on a scale of one i'd love to do all that at the same time <laughs> if we're looking at a scale of one to ten let's say one is like doesn't matter, don't care. And 10 is like, this must succeed, you know, which I think is useful for any language learner to think about. How much does success matter to you when you start learning? I think before you start learning anything, it's important to define what success is for you. Mm. So let's take Italian, for example. Now, by the time I'd learned Italian, Oh, I was learning Italian. I'd, I could already speak uh, English and Welsh and French to a reasonable level and some Spanish as well. And I had a goal in my mind that I was going to... Ho I was going to go on holiday to Italy. And as you may find out later, that is one of the main, main goals that I have for language learning is where can I go on holiday? So we booked to go to a home exchange in Italy in a little town called Orvino and the folk that we were exchanging with said oh by the way nobody speaks any English in the village at all apart from one lady who owns the restaurant everybody else doesn't speak any English so I was like right that is an opportunity to, for me to learn some Italian so I had a goal that I was going to learn as much Italian as I could in seven months so I got Benny Lewis's Italian hacking or ha language hacking Italian book and I worked my way through that and that was that was success for me I'd worked my way through I could have a chat with people who I met in the town, went to Rome as well, and was able to chat to people about what they liked to 
do in Rome, what made them enjoy living in Rome, and talk to them about, you know, why I was learning Italian, that kind of thing. And so success for me for that project was um, being able to chat to people when I was on holiday more than just um, ordering in a restaurant. And that was it. I have kind of dropped Italian um, for the most part. I never completely drop anything. It's always there in the background. So when I get my um, Italian emails from Katie, big shout out to Katie, um, then uh, I'll always uh, have a little check, a little look to keep it up. But success for me was defined as you've got seven months and you've got a book to work through and you're going to do it. And having that as a kind of goal, as a target, made it realistic to me because one of the things, one of the things I particularly struggle with is the open-ended nature of any learning project. So, you know, you're, you're well familiar with the open-endedness of language learning, but it's the same for cooking, it's the same for bread baking, it's the same for foraging, it's the same for chess. Whatever it is, you can always, always, always do more, mm -hmm. and there's always more to learn. So having that point where you say, right, I can, I can be happy or I can be satisfied with what I've done, and, and if you want to, you've got then two options. Either you leave it and move on to something else, which is often my tendency, or you say, right, well, what's the next goal then? What's the next target? Mm -hmm. So something like um, doing triathlon for me, I had this 13-year goal of being uh, doing an Ironman race. And, um, you know, every year I just do a sprint triathlon, sprint triathlon. And eventually it just kind of, the time was right. I don't, don't really know how to explain it other than it had been simmering in the back of my mind for so long. I just said, right, well, I have to do that. And then success for me was getting to the end. Um, success certainly was not uh, doing well compared to other people in my age group. Uh, if you look at my uh, time compared to other people in my age group, that was not particularly successful. But for me, it was successful. But that was kind of something that I did, and now um, I've moved on to having different challenges that I'm kind of uh, working towards. So knowing when to, for someone like me, knowing when to move to the next challenge is is quite liberating. And but you, <laughs> that doesn't answer the question about grit. <laughs> it's now it's an it's an interesting reflection. I'm thinking I'm thinking about I think there are there is a sort of it's almost like learning just comes in this sort of, I don't want to say a wave, but you sort of have like a period mm. where you're kind of on and you're in flow. And then you have a period where you think, all right, okay, um, maybe, you know, like you've, it's it's natural, right? Because these, these are exhausting projects. So you come to a point where you need a little bit of a break. And I think most people that I have seen, not just as language learners, but as learners of anything, um, we come to this period and then we there's a pause and that's when you either refresh the challenge you think about mm. how you're going to continue doing it or you might you know move on to the next challenge at which point you need to think that that's where it's so important to define success so i really like actually what you you know like what you've put out there um in the sense of okay what have i achieved it hasn't all been for nothing i think there's a there's a tendency in some people to feel like well it hasn't that was a waste of time 
which isn't which isn't ever true um yeah and then to kind of Absolutely. move on so and it's weird like I re i'm reflecting in my head on how i'm learning welsh and how it's been six years six yeah six years married six years welsh <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to remember it's, it. it's handy actually but you know it's been six years and now um i can have a conversation where people don't have to be entirely as patient as they had to be three years ago um as you know i have always enjoyed just shouting random welsh words at people uh, even with lower abilities um <laughs> but you know it is extremely slow um and i'm happy with that but that's almost like for me it's still it's almost like I've had to move away from the shorter term goals and go, no, this is just a thing I do. I don't question this part of what I do. Yeah. Whereas with Chinese, it was still like, oh, I guess I'm going to get to the end of the HSK one. And then you hit that evaluation period. And then you think, am I going to continue bothering? I don't know. Maybe not. And here I am with, you know, with six, eight, nine months of no Chinese behind me, but it's still a little bit there. And I think that's important as well. Mm saying what you said about having the waves like this these times of intense focus and intense learning and then times where it's not quite so intense and you've got two options there either to drop it or to keep going and i think it's important not to have not to drop everything so basically not to do things for three months and then um, move on to something else um, for absolutely everything but have one or two things that you do stick with so, so i was going to say something like your welsh which you've stuck to um and then your chinese which you've kind of taken a break from and it might be in the future that you come back to it or it might be that you don't come back to it but you've mm -hmm. got something that you are consistent with and something that you are constantly moving forward with and then some other stuff to kind of enjoy more i don't know about enjoy more but because <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously you, you have you have to enjoy welsh as well to do it but and i do and it's another thing it's like i've stopped questioning if i enjoy welsh i've just decided i enjoy it yeah which i but you can't make yourself i don't know it's a, it's a mystery how this whole thing works so i really like that you said i never drop anything entirely it's always still there in the background and that's something to highlight and to celebrate and i think that's how we stay confident even when we don't I don't know, finish. Because like you say, these yeah. are open-ended experiences and projects. They're always there in the background. You're not going to... That that mystery of what takes hold of you when is a mystery to me as well. Isn't it? So something like, something like my Italian, it just really took hold of me for seven months. I was just like, I am on this. I can't wait to study my Italian. I absolutely love learning Italian, love listening to it, getting all the music and all that kind of stuff. And then you go on holiday and you have a, a wonderful time. You are both equally elated with how well you've done and frustrated with how little you do know at the same time. And then it kind of lies dormant for a while. And then maybe one day I'll go back to Italy and I'll refresh my Italian. and. Yeah, it just it just hasn't got hold of me at the moment. Oh, Whereas yeah. something like, um, you know, French, which I uh, study um, on and off. Well, I have studied on and off for uh, <clears throat> years. Mm -hmm. Me too. 20, 20, 20, <laughs> 20, 25 years. Now, 
you previously mentioned you gave me a really good foreshadowing to your um you mentioned your portuguese so without without making assumptions about which project or anything uh can you think of a time when you've tried something and it just didn't work at all how did you cope if that ever happened well, fun, funny you should ask that but yeah uh, i i tried to learn portuguese and i thought yeah i'm i'm you know getting all right at this language learning business i've learned my french and my spanish and my italian i've listened to uh, the entire back catalog of kirsten's podcasts about how to learn languages i've got this i'm going to book a holiday to portugal and uh, i'm going to learn some portuguese and so i did the same as i did with um, my italian holiday booked a holiday to portugal i was like right i'm going to be on it for uh, learning portuguese but we were due to go in April 2020, and we all know how that went. And so, basically, as soon as uh, we realized that we weren't able to go on holiday, I just lost all motivation to learn Portuguese. And it's not like the other ones, which I think, oh yeah, I can, I can pick that up um, at another point. It's almost like Portuguese is kind of a failed project for me and I'm kind of like I don't want to go back to it I didn't get very far I didn't do it as well as I did with the others and yeah it was just a, a little bit of a flop um how did I cope I was fine <laughs> I got over it <laughs> um my tendency is to uh, not worry too much about failures and just move on to the next thing mm. so if you if you do find yourself thinking, oh, that was a bit of a failure, don't think of it as a failure. Think of it as an experience that you had and are happy to let go of. Good advice. Think of it as an experience that you've had and you're happy to let go of. It's still an experience. We still get to, we still get that. We still get to keep that. Absolutely. Now, Dav, you've been a teacher as well. And you still, yes. I believe, teach and tutor. Well, I, I believe uh, you, you help me. So <laughs> you still tutor in Welsh. <laughs> um, and also in maths, randomly. Um, did, I, did I forget one? Uh, I've also taught bread baking. Oh, okay. So can you, can you tell me more? Oh, and can I, all listeners, can I send you them all? If you are in any way interested of getting a sourdough going, um, maybe you're in lockdown still, maybe you missed it in lockdown, you want to get one going. Uh, I learned all about the sourdough from Davith, who has uh, very helpfully put it all in highlights on his Instagram profile, how to make a sourdough and how to bake bread. And it works. It's foolproof. So pop over to Davith's Instagram if you want to see that. Now, Welsh Maths Bread Baking going to get back to my tell can you tell me more about what in particular you enjoy about teaching so for 20 years of my life my mum said to me never be a teacher because she was a teacher she taught re and welsh and uh, pe and anything going but for 20 years she said don't be a teacher and then when i was about to leave university and thought what am i going to do my mum said to me oh well maybe you could be a teacher and i was like all oh, right okay so I kind of fell into teaching as a career. So I taught maths for 14 years. Yeah. And um, it, was, it was fine. 
I quite enjoyed um, sharing my knowledge with people. And to, I think to answer the question, that is the, the thing that I find most joy in in life is learning stuff and sharing that knowledge with people and seeing them take action and have fun or have their lives improved in some way. So as a teacher, you are often, you are not often thanked um, for your job, but um, every once in a while you'd have a student or a parent say, oh, thanks for um, encouraging Jake to do this, or thanks for, um, you know, helping Emily get through her GCSEs. It really um, means a lot to us, you know, whatever it is. And those kind of moments, although they are few and far between as a school teacher, <laughs> you can see the uh, evidence more often when you're doing something else. So something like bread baking or teaching Welsh to adults mainly, you get that kind of instant appreciation. And I don't want it to sound like I'm only doing it so that I get appreciated, but I get joy in seeing other people. I, I, I love it seeing you speak Welsh. I love seeing you um, communicate in Welsh. I love seeing how much you've improved over the last however many years. And it gives me great joy to see people doing stuff. So even when you said that you'd been baking sourdough because you'd seen on my Instagram highlights um, the lessons that I put there to make sourdough, that kind of made me feel all kind of fuzzy inside that somebody would um, kind of enjoy the process of bread baking because of something that I've shared with them. And yeah, I've seen it on all the bread courses that I've done. People are like, wow, this is this is an amazing process. And I love sharing that process with people. I love opening people's eyes to seeing that process of, you know, whatever it is, bread baking or speaking Welsh or, to some extent, the area of a triangle. But, you know, less so the area <laughs> of a triangle. Yeah, I can just imagine all these teenagers are like, whoa, Pythagoras, whoa. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's not generally what they're no, like. No, no. Okay, so it's really, <laughs> but the amazement of of progress almost, then, isn't it? Yeah. So when when they when they get to look back and see progress, and um, it it really is a wonderful thing. Mm. Mm. Now, from working, okay, uh, I'll ask this one, and I come right. Yeah. So tea, wedi tea, wedi gwaith through gyda llawer o Desgwyr iaith, right? Um, and the brofiad di, sut mae ddesgwyr Cymraeg? Cwestiwn diddorol. <laughs> Nawr, mana, mana ddau brif math o pobl sy'n mwyn dysgu Cymraeg. Mm -hmm. So, fel arfer, mae naillau rhywun eisiau dysgu Cymraeg achos maen nhw'n teimlo falle delsenw neu maen nhw eisiau Cysylltu gyda'i hynafiaid, neu rhywbeth fel yna. Mm -hmm. um, so dwi'n cael pobl o America yn dweud, ond mae Tadki yn dod o Gymru, felly dwi eisiau dysgu Gymraeg er mwyn cysylltu gyda Tadki. Mm -hmm. Neu mae pobl yng Nghymru yn dweud, dwi'n Gymro neu dwi'n Gymrais, ond dwi ddim yn siarad yr iaith, a dwi'n rili eisiau. A mae'r math yna o ddysgwr, an aml yn gallu wneud 
Falle, pedwa ni pimp ni chwech gwers a gweld my dysgiaeth yn beth anodd i wneud a wedyn mwyn yn rhaid gorau. <laughs> Ond mae'r math arall o ieithydd sydd am ddysgu Cymraeg yn ieithydd. So, mae rhywun fel um, ti a a couple o bobl sydd gyda fi hir dymor maen nhw yn dwli ar ieithoedd yn gyffredinol maen mm-hmm. nhw just really mwynhau dysgu unrhyw iaith ond am rhyw reswm mae Cymraeg wedi cipio'u calon nhw maen nhw wedi cwmpl mewn cariad gyda iaith Gymraeg a maen nhw wedi dweud yn unfradog dwi'n mynd am y Gymraeg dwi eisiau dysgu Cymraeg a maen nhw'n benderfynol o ddysgu Cymraeg a nhw yw'r reisydd yn dal ati Wel Dwi'n neb rili yn gallu ddeud pam un, um, wel, pam dynnu'n achos fi yw fi sy'n un ohonyn nhw, right? Um, yeah. Pam y dynnu pam dynnu yn cwympio mewn cariad gyda Cymraeg gyda Cymraeg yeah. <laughs> out of all yeah. the languages <laughs> like, so, so to uh, catch up in English essentially, that, so my question was what a Welsh learner's like because uh, Dav is a um, Afro-Cymraig, right? So tutor-Cymraig, Welsh tutor. Um, and he said there's, there's essentially two types of Welsh learners. There's the people who want to connect with the Welsh culture almost, who want to make that connection and feel more closely connected to Welsh, um, which sometimes might be people from the USA who've got a grandfather who's Welsh, um, or it might be Welsh people who who have grown up monolingual or and want to get closer to the Welsh language and the Welsh identity through that. No, the other way around. Welsh identity through the Welsh language. And uh, they tend to take about four or five classes and then they give up uh, because language learning is hard and that's when it kicks in that language learning is hard. Don't we all know it? And the other people are sort of the polyglot nerds. <laughs> Which I, I, I'm one of, I guess, uh, who, who just love language learning and for some reason just have a thing for Welsh. Um, do you, would he an animal, well, would he ever, erioid, would he ever, would he ever, would he erioid, and, um, and, um, gweithio gyda person gyda unrhywun sy'n, uh, and a group cyntaf, Sin Dod, Sin Troy, um, lover of Welsh. How do you say a, a lover of Welsh? And Garur Agamraig. Garur Agamraig. Ma ma in ma in ma vary are going to be now. Yay! See then Dod or Gaerdydd and Radio. Ma a nawr and Boo and Leeds. A mae e wedi dyfal barhau, mae e wedi cadw fynd, a mae e wir eisiau gwella. A yeah, mae e yn torri'r, torri'r mould o'r ddau berson dwi'n cael eu llunio'n eich meddwl chi. <laughs> Ac um, oes gyda ti unrhyw beth um, wyt ti'n gallu rhannu am beth, uh, beth sydd yn helpu a ddysgwyr am dod yn fwy 
Uh, oh God, I want to say successful. Cluidianol. Have I said that right? Ooh, Cluidianis. Cluidianis. Okay. So yeah. uh, is there anything you'd like to share about what helps a learner be more successful? Or teen gatli sharat kamraig? Atabin kamraig, yeah. Okay. Do you know my dod nol at Bethany and Dwayne or Blan? I'm Pendervani Pam Ichiam Nader. Achos Osichinkobod Pam Ichiam Nader. Ma. Ma vegesen compaiule, my endorden material. Do with him my waiting that he wouldn't honor the. Either right, do we mindy nader, do we mindy nader, do we mindy nader? Os, dur. Dyr angerdd ar rhesymeg tiol y penderfyniad o ddysgiaeth ddim yna. So, gyda dysgu eidaleg oedd yr ysgogiad yna i fi am spel um, a oedd yna rhesym. So, os ych chi'n gallu creu rhesym am pan bych chi'n mwyn dysgu iaith. So, Fel nes di o'r blan, nes di uh, wirfyddoli yn yr ysteddfod genedlaethol fel Stuart. Ti'n cofio dyna, dyna pryd nithon ni gwrdd am y tro cyntaf? Ah, dwi'n cofio, dwi'n cofio. <laughs> oh, hang on. Dwi'n gweld, dwi'n gweld. <laughs> oh, sorry, oni na'r y mute. Uh, of course, dwi'n cofio. Yeah, yeah, yeah dwi'n so, gweld, dwi'n gweld uh, uh, ymlaen ag uh, Tronessa. Yeah, yeah, doing just come on. So yeah, Rubeth, Rubeth, Belna. So my Cray Nord, my Cray Gaul, um, if he mind Kerad well, um, you know, a Scriveni Kerad and the Gamrai, nay, Gwirfoddoli Vel Stewart and the Stathvod, nay, Mindar Willie E Langevni. Nei, you know, rolla better sekoi liban mun shadow come round. Ah, mohanangatli roi er a skogyad ichi gad wind pam a pethen anod. A dana ino petha poisig mikredi. Mhm. Tinyaun ag a cray and nodai um a nodai bach. Oithe yeah nodai bach dim a nod nod bauren now envau nod envau vel ah do you mean the a nod sin sin quaithio hevid vel clean and the and the bendy right so um this is so good we need to like translate some of it into English but um. So I asked David, you know, about what helps a learner be more successful. And uh, we, you know, we spoke about you've, you have to know why you're doing it. And then, you know, if you kind of get some clarity on the why, um, and if, if you'll allow me to add, just to really validate, just because I want to is a good enough why. Just because I'm interested is a good enough why. Because often people think they have to have something external to show. Like I'm going on this trip or I'm doing this or like my you know, this person. Sometimes you just want to, and that's also fine. So, um, end of editorial comment. But, so if you know why you're doing it, then things fall into place. Um, and to create little goals for yourself. Um, and uh, Daph reminded me that um, something I've done in the past, uh, when as a Welsh learner, 
is I volunteered at the, the nationalist efforts and, and actually at a different festival too. Um, so just saying, okay, I'm going to volunteer, which essentially means I have to be in this place where people speak Welsh at this time. And they're going to, I'm going to have to somehow muddle through, um, which you, you can always, luckily Welsh is, is very generous because it's a bilingual, more or less bilingual country. So you feel a little bit more confident um, but generally, yeah, that was something, something that I had as an image in my mind as a sort of smaller ambition, um, or it might be that you want to go on a holiday to Betzakoit where, where Welsh is spoken, you know, in the streets and everywhere around you or, or Langili, Langili, Langevni, Langevni, there you go, Langevni, now I've said it right. Um, it, it, it might just be something that you want to achieve. Um, and I think it's, it's helpful to have this sort of image in your mind of what it is, not just, oh, I want to speak to people. Um, I often find when I've worked with students that, that that sort of vagueness doesn't really get you anywhere. Yeah. So if there's something that you can put a date to, that's, that's also helpful. So get yourself to the next, it's almost like monkey bars, isn't it? Just get yourself to the next thing, get yourself to the next thing. Now, Dav. For you as a learner, for you as a, I don't know, ad adventurer, uh, what projects and learning adventures are next for you? So I am currently in the midst of learning about the YouTube algorithm. Oui. So, yeah. So um, I have uh, enjoyed over the last year or so uh, trying to do some stuff on YouTube, uh, putting my thoughts out there. It's uh, mainly about uh, personal finance and um, investing and that kind of stuff but yeah it all kind of links in with the rest of my life in terms of uh, language learning I think there's a few language learning videos still on there and uh, yeah that's what I'm currently doing at the moment um, learning about how to get people to engage and uh, how to get people to or how to get make thumbnails and stuff that people want to click on and how to make content that people want to watch and i'm finding it a fascinating project i absolutely love it i love sunday evenings now when i'm like yes tomorrow morning i get to go and create a youtube video and it's uh, yeah exciting i love it oh wow so everybody please uh, like and subscribe like and like and subscribe i can't even say it <laughs> like and subscribe now as my final question i always like to ask my guests if there was something that you could change, what would it be? So for, you know, about the language learning world, the teaching world, um, or for yourself, language learning or teaching, if there is something that you could change, what would it be? <laughs> I was thinking about this question. Does it, does it have to be something that is actually possible? Or does no. it, you know, can it be? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> thinking big, dreaming big here. So that's fine. Dreaming, dreaming big. So, one of the things that I think would really help and would really benefit language learning and teaching if this, this wave that we've kind of talked about today um, wasn't just a wave, but it was more like a constant stream, a constant river. Mm. So if you could have constant motivation and constant um, moving forward and you never had to go backwards in your language learning and you never had to um, worry about giving it up and putting it down i think that would make it much easier but maybe that's unrealistic do you think this is interesting do you think the same problem applies to baking 
as an example? Um, personally, I've got uh, a love of bread baking, which, like your Welsh learning, has kind of taken hold of me. So I was uh, between jobs back in 2011, and I just picked up this River Cottage bread baking handbook, and I started baking, and I've literally not bought a loaf of bread since then, um, apart from when I'm on holiday. And that's kind of taken hold of me, and that's kind of the constant thing that's the one thing in my life that is just always there. I'm always baking bread. And then there's other things like baking biscuits or pavlovas or cooking steaks or making coffee or whatever it is that kind of I get into for a little while and kind of then leave and then mm. come back to maybe a little bit later. And yeah, so I think if there was a constant river, I think life would be just exhausting because you'd never have a break. If it was, so maybe, yeah, maybe if it was for everything. Maybe I'll go back and scrap that... Uh, Scrap that thing I'd change about language learning or learning in general. Just, Learning's great as it is. Just do it for the fun of it. It'd just be this torrent of intellectual growth and all of our heads would explode. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But yeah, well, but it's it's an interesting thing to reflect on and, and interesting. Thank you so much for sharing. Right. Well, um, well, Dav. Jochen Bau, Jan, um, Derm Sidi, and the Atebion, Hevid Jochen. Vaur iawn um, i Poppy. Mae wastad yn bleser i siarad gyda ti, Kirsten. Dwi'n mwynhau bob tro. I've had a really wonderful conversation, wonderful time. Thank you so much to David for his time. And listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our chat today. And of course, I'll pop lots of things into the show notes, including... Davis YouTube, like and subscribe, and the Instagram as well, so you can learn how to bake bread. Uh, and of course, your Welsh tutor profile, if you want to share that, so that people can book yeah, Welsh classes with you. Talky. Absolutely. Yay. Now, um, as you all know, we sign off here on the show in a particular way. It's goodbye from me in English and goodbye from Daf in any language he chooses. So it is goodbye from me for today. Goodbye and goodbye from David. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please support the show by subscribing for new episodes and leaving a rating and review in your podcast app. You can visit us at fluentlanguage.co.uk anytime. Don't forget that you can send us your questions and feedback to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or you can find the show on Twitter and say hello over there. It's at The Fluent Show and on Instagram it's hashtag The Fluent Show. We're always happy to hear from you and we read every message and review. See you next episode.